you have your copy of Scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. We're looking at uh, verses 1 to 10 this morning. We'll get to the reading in just a moment. Uh, today we find ourselves, uh, as part of our series of, on Hebrews, on this book of Hebrews, we find ourselves in a unique part of the book itself. Chapter 7 is uh, one of the, uh, really a focal point of the entire book, uh, talking about the importance of the priesthood, which was uh, paramount really in, in Judaism and in Jewish tradition, because there could be no sacrifices without a priest, and there could be no forgiveness of sins without sacrifice. And so uh, the priest was exalted in Judaism, was seen uh, the utmost importance. And so we, saw it, we find uh, in this, uh, we, we're looking at uh, chapters uh, 5 to 9 that talk about uh, the priesthood, and chapter 7 kind of is a focal point on that, talking about uh, the, uh, the perfect priest, especially in that of Jesus. But also in Hebrews chapter 7, we see a unique character in that of a man named Melchizedek. Now, we've spoken a little bit about Melchizedek in chapters 5 and 6, uh, just briefly, but we're going to get a bit more detail about this unusual character of Melchizedek and uh, why he is important both in the book of Hebrews, but why he is important uh, for us, even as a church today. So let's read together uh, about Melchizedek, and then we'll uh, discuss some of the, uh, the relevance uh, of this man. Melchizedek, uh, we'll, sorry, we'll find this in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think of how great he was. Even the patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without a doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham. Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that you lead us through it now and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, theologians and biblical scholars over the years have uh, debated and differed on who this man Melchizedek was. He's only mentioned a few times in, in all the Bible, uh, in, uh, in the book of Genesis and in the book of Psalms and then here in the book of Hebrews. And so there's not a lot said about him, but some have said that uh, Melchizedek was an angel who served as this priest Melchizedek, in the time of Abraham. But seeing as how every time in Scripture... Uh, there was the role of a priest that was uh, fulfilled by uh, a human in, in the Bible. 
a not angelic role, uh, this is, um, I, I believe, would, would not be right or would be false. Some say that Jesus himself, or kind of a pre-incarnate form of Jesus, came in, in the Old Testament times and was this man Melchizedek. But the scriptures in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, says that Melchizedek was being in, in the form or the likeness of the Son of God, but not actually being the Son of God. And so this too, I would say, is, is, is a false assumption of, uh, of who this man is or was. I believe Melchizedek to be a man who was uh, what biblical scholars call a type of Jesus or a picture of Jesus. So let me explain this a bit more. In biblical study, uh, there, there's something called typology, which studies types in the Bible. Now, uh, a type is a person or a practice or a ceremony from the Old Testament that points to or paints a picture of something in the New Testament, which is called an antitype. Okay? Is everyone confused? So you've got a type and an antitype. The type is something from the Old Testament that paints a picture of something, which is the antitype, which is in the New Testament. So some examples of that. Uh, the, the, bronze serpent, the bronze serpent that uh, Moses was called to, to raise up on a stick in, in Numbers chapter 21 uh, was a type of Christ being lifted up on the cross. Uh, Numbers 21.8 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten by a poisonous snake can then look at it and live. John chapter 3 verse 14 says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Another type from the Old Testament and the type of the New Testament is the sacrificial lamb, uh, which was uh, required by this Levitical system and this priesthood system to cover uh, the sins of the people. Uh, the priest would have to take this lamb and shed its blood to pay for the, the sins of the people. And this was a type of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, who sacrificed his own life for the sins of all the world. John 1, 29, when John the Baptist first saw Jesus, he looked and said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, again talking about Jesus, says, I saw a Lamb who looks like it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And so it's important to note at the start here that I believe Melchizedek was a type of Jesus in that he was an Old Testament picture of who Jesus Christ would be. A picture of hope uh, for the people of God, uh, the Israelite people, the Hebrew people. This picture of hope that was ultimately found and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. John MacArthur Jr. in his commentary on, on Hebrews says this, Melchizedek was a historical human being whose priestly ministry typifies that of Christ, a man whom God designed to use as a picture of Jesus Christ. And so we want to look at a couple different ways that Melchizedek represents what Christ fulfills. Uh, first is that of Melchizedek as a priest. Now, we've recognized already how important the role of a priest is in Judaism, in this Hebrew tradition. Now, to us, we don't recognize that as much. Now, there are Catholic traditions and others historically in our country who have recognized the importance of a priest, and, and, and there are other faith traditions that go to a priest to ask for the forgiveness of sins, and, and the priest would absolve them of the sins. 
in the Baptist tradition, we, we tend to not look at uh, the, the priesthood in, in a similar way. I mean, many of you go, oh, is that Reverend Mike or is it Pastor Mike? Oh, I don't know, it's just Mike. Yeah? He's not, like, there's nothing kind of a hierarchy of, of, of Christianity, especially in the Baptist faith. We go, we're just brothers and sisters together, part of God's family, serving together in our community, serving alongside one another. So it's challenging sometimes for us to see the importance of this role of the priest. But Melchizedek was seen as the greatest of priests, priests uh, from his Old Testament time. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, is the first time we hear the story of Melchizedek, and it goes like this. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, who was Abraham before God changed his name. He blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heavens and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now Abram had just been coming back uh, from war against uh, Chedorlaomer. You try to say that a few times fast. Chedorlaomer and his allies. Now these were the armies who had just captured Abram's nephew Lot. And Abram goes and God gave him great victory over these kings and leaders. And as he's returning, Melchizedek comes on the scene and he walks up and he gives him bread and wine and he blesses him. Now, in the Hebrew tradition, the blessing could only come on one who was greater. And it's hard for the Jews to imagine anyone greater than Abram or Abraham. He was the father of their entire nation. It was Abram that God said, I'm going to make you the father of many. He was old and his wife was barren and had never had any children. And God said, I'm going to give you a son. In fact, as, as many as the stars are in the, in the sky, so will, your inherit, so will your, uh, the number uh, of your family be. And God fulfills His promise and changed His name to Abraham, which means the father of many. And He became the, the figurehead, really, of, of the, the people of Israel. And yet, this priest comes on the scene who is greater than Abraham and blesses Abraham in the name of God. A representative of God comes and gives God's blessing to Abram. And then this priest, Melchizedek, receives a tithe or a tenth of all the plunder from Abram. Now, again, in, in uh, this historical sense, Abram has just come back from war, and in times of war, uh, the victor would take the, the plunder and uh, the good, what they wanted from each of those kings and uh, the spoils of war. And as he's coming back with all these treasures and spoils of war, he meets Melchizedek, who he realizes he feels called by God to give him a tenth of all of that plunder, which was fine, but it was unusual to the Jews. Now, to us, we just go, okay, that's good. He gave him a tenth of everything that he had. But to the Jews, this is very significant because they had a whole system of how they're supposed to look after the priests. And this Levitical system in that all the priests came from the family of Aaron and the tribe of Levi. And all the other tribes gave 10% of all that they had to care for uh, this priestly tribe. But Melchizedek was not from this tribe. Melchizedek had no ancestry that, that led him up uh, to, to Levi or uh, to the family of Abraham. 
And yet Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder, signifying to the Jews that he was greater than Abram, but he was also greater than uh, Levi or Aaron and uh, this priestly tribe that God had set up. And he was a priest, the Bible says in Hebrews, who served forever. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3 says, He's without father or mother, without any genealogy, without beginning or end. A priest forever. Now, part of this passage just highlights to me the beauty of God's Word and how only God Himself could write God's Word, uh, could write the Bible and put that together for us. Because Melchizedek served in the time of Abraham. We see it in Genesis 14. Then he was talked about briefly about a thousand years later by King David in, in Psalm 110. And then it's about another thousand years or so until he's mentioned more in detail about who Melchizedek is here in Hebrews uh, chapter 5 to 7. And to me it's just proof that God does what only He can do and He preserves His Word. He preserves uh, the importance of, this, uh, of His Word for us today. We need to, to realize that Melchizedek was not only the, the greatest of high priests in the Old Testament, and to the Jews, they knew the name Melchizedek. They knew exactly that he was uh, the highest of priests, higher and uh, in, in more authority and reverence than, than Abraham, higher than the tribe of Levi. But he was also a king. And so let's discuss for a moment Melchizedek the king. Both Genesis and uh, Hebrews says that Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Now, Salem is uh, just a reference to uh, Jerusalem. And uh, Josephus, who's a first century Jewish historian, uh, recognizes that Melchizedek is the, the... He actually calls Melchizedek the founder and the first king of Jerusalem. And that he founded uh, Jerusalem as a city for uh, the Jewish people and claimed that as their own. Uh, a home in which the Jewish people still today would say that that is their home. A, a city in which... Uh, from biblical proportions, uh, from biblical accounts, uh, is important both to um, Judaism and to Christianity. The Hebrew name for um, Melchizedek was simply Melchizedek, and the, the Greek word Melchizedek, which simply meant the king of righteousness. And then, since he's the king of Salem, it also meant he's the, the king of peace. But this king of righteousness... Um, Philo, who is an early uh, Jewish philosopher, actually says that what, what is actually meant by this king of righteousness is that he was a righteous king. And he was known in the first century time, uh, the time of the writing of, of Hebrews, he was known as a king who was right, a king who was just. And that was kind of sort of the, the first century understanding of who he was. Oh, uh, oh, Mitchell, in a, a dictionary, a theological dictionary in the New Testament, says Melchizedek's name and dignity point to the messianic gifts of righteousness and peace. His mysterious appearing points to the eternity of Christ. For he is the eternal priest and the eternal king. Now, it's interesting that today we are celebrating Palm Sunday. And we're talking about this great celebration time when, when um, Jesus first rode into, or when he rode into the city of Jerusalem, he, uh, he challenges, we find a story in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 10, in which he tells a couple of his disciples to go out and to, to find a colt, a young, um, a young donkey who will be tied up 
And he says, just go. And he said, if someone says, why, why, why do you need no donkey? Just say, my, my master, my Lord Most High needs it. And so they, they do that and they find the donkey exactly where he says and they, they bring it to him. And he starts to ride in the city of Jerusalem, into the city of Jerusalem, into the city on this donkey. Now, this is significant because of who Jesus is. Because a king would not ride in on a donkey. A king would ride in with the horses and chariots and all the uh, kind of pomp and circumstance, all the, uh, the, the, the trumpets blaring. But Jesus walks in, is carried in on this donkey. And to ride a donkey was to the Jewish people, to, to the Hebrew people, uh, a, a symbol of peace. And he comes in, not with all this grand circumstances, but simply riding the symbol of peace into the people. And the people start recognizing who he is, and they shout out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Praise be to God Most High, our Savior. Save us. they cry out as they start laying down uh, their, their cloaks and laying down branches of, of palm, uh, palm branches on his path so the donkey could walk him in. A sign of like, reverence and humility before this king. And they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Now these are two important things that the crowd cries out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they say, blessed is, is he, Jesus, who is God's representative for the people. He comes in the Lord's name to represent the people before him. And blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Blessed is the king who is in the line of our greatest king, David. This king who has come to lead us. This one who has come to represent us before God. Now, Melchizedek was from the Old Testament understood as being God's servant, representing the people of God and making sacrifices for these people for their sins. And he forever stood to represent the people to God. Melchizedek was known as a king who with authority sought to lead God's people in God's ways. And Palm Sunday is a celebration of, of what the people idealized, that, that what the people idealized in Melchizedek, they realized in Christ. You see, Jesus was not just a model priest and king like Melchizedek, but had, who was fallen like any of us. Jesus was God in flesh, perfect, sinless, the only one who could save us from our sins and restore us into a right relationship with God. In speaking to the Hebrew people, this book uses their greatest tradition, that of the priesthood, and one of their greatest priests, and that of Melchizedek, to point out that Jesus is the greatest of all, the greatest priest, the final sacrifice, the triumphant king. Who do you say that Christ is? Jesus is the Son of God, God Himself who came in the form of man to teach us about God's kingdom and His power and authority and to offer Himself as a payment for our sins, doing whatever it takes to allow us to have a relationship with God. That's right. 
God loves you. And He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be part of, of your life. And He hates that sin separates us from God. A priest would offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, but this practice was only temporary and had to be repeated again and again and again. But Jesus, God in flesh, being perfect and holy and sinless, became a sacrifice that once and for all would cover the sins of all people for all time. So that any who choose to trust in Him can have life, eternal life, and, and relationship with God for all eternity. Jesus, my God, my friend, my Savior, my Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is He who represents us before God. Blessed is our King. We want to exalt Him and lift Him up and put our trust in Him. I want to challenge us as we um, go through this time of Easter to take time to focus on who God is. We serve a risen Savior. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the priest of priests who, who represents us before God, who brings our sins before Him and pays the price for our sins and has paid that once and for all so that we could have life and freedom and hope. Easter in Australia can, can be about a long weekend. It can be about some extra time with family and friends. It can be about bunnies and chocolates and chocolates and chocolates and more chocolates. There are some of you who are here that never want to see another bag of chocolates. You've seen so many come in uh, for our egg hunts and things. And uh, we were sorting out the other week, and we sorted out, I don't know, probably a thousand or so little plastic eggs and chocolates, two or three chocolates in each of those. And uh, our son, Sai, was one of the ones sorting out through the chocolates. And a couple of days later, someone else came in with a bag of chocolates, and he said, oh, I don't even want to see any more chocolates. <laughs> He's seen so many go through. So Easter can quickly become so commercialized for us that it just becomes about fun and festivities and all those things about the commercial Easter. And we as a church have to be intentional about recognizing what Easter is all about. About who Jesus is and what He's done for us and celebrating who He is and what He's done for us. Celebrating what He means to us. I think a part of the challenge for the church is that people cannot see people cannot see what Christ means to us. People cannot see that there's any difference in Easter for us or Easter for them. Because our life isn't showing the love that Christ gives to us. Our life isn't mirroring that, that grace and forgiveness that He gives to us. I want to challenge us as a church, not just today on Palm Sunday, to recognize Jesus as King and Savior, not just on Good Friday when we talk about the sacrifice that Christ has made for us. Should we, should we recognize all that He's done for us, not just on Easter Sunday when we sing about He's risen, He's risen, 
should we celebrate that we serve a risen Savior? But every day, I want to challenge you to walk with Him and talk with Him because we have a friend in Jesus. We have a relationship with God Himself, the Creator of the universe, God Almighty, because of Jesus, because He has paid the price for us. And I want to challenge us this Easter and every day to let our lives say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. May our lives proclaim to our our workmates and people in the shops and on the streets. May our lives proclaim to people who come here for chocolates and, and fun. May our lives proclaim to people everywhere in our families, in our homes, in our community. Jesus is Lord of our life. That Jesus is my Savior. And Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my friend. Let us pray. God, I thank You and I praise You for who You are. Lord, I thank You for Scriptures about strange characters like Melchizedek who have represented in the Old Testament what You have fulfilled in Jesus. And Lord, I thank You for the challenge to have a look through Your Word at, at who You are and what You've done for us and for opportunity especially over the next few days of, of Easter celebrations, to, to rejoice and to celebrate in who You are. But Lord, I pray that we move beyond that as a church and that we recognize with all of our heart, with all of our being, who You are and what You've done for us and our very lives. The words we say and how we live will show the world Your love and grace and how it has transformed our lives. God, help us to be Your church to surrender completely to You, lifting You up as our priest, King, our Savior, our Messiah. May our lives proclaim, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Glory to God in the highest. God, help us to know who You are and our lives to proclaim Your grace and Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.